You're listening to Purpose Inspired, a podcast series by myself, Wayne Visser. This season is based on my book, The Quest for Sustainable Business, an epic journey in search of corporate responsibility. Economics and Evolution, Barefoot Journeys Towards Abundance the Barefoot Economist. As part of my CSR Quest World Tour, I travelled from Chile to Argentina and Brazil, then up through Panama to Costa Rica and Mexico, before finishing back down in Ecuador. This episode can only present a few highlights and insights from what was a fascinating and colourful journey of discovery, during which I mostly stayed in hostels and survived with virtually no Spanish, thanks to the generosity and patience of friends and strangers. In Chile, I had the incredible good fortune to spend a few days in the beautiful Valdivia home of one of my intellectual heroes, barefoot economist Manfred Max Neef. When I was completing my Master's in Human Ecology in Edinburgh, I had become familiar with his profound little book, Human Scale Development, and I had a chance to interview him for the Cambridge Top 50 Sustainability Books Project. His life's journey gives a sense of what a fascinating person Max Neef is. Here is how he tells the story. I was the first economist in Chile who started speaking about the sociology of development. I was always concerned with the non-material components of what was called development. The turning point was when I was in Ecuador because I always wanted to be in the field where poverty was not like the typical expert that goes, spends five days and writes a huge report about poverty. I lived about 10 years of my life in poverty-stricken areas, and that was the origin of the Barefoot Economics book. One of the first things Max Neef learned was that the first characteristic of poverty is an enormous creativity. You must be tremendously creative to stay alive, and that means that you have tremendous potential. If you are to overcome poverty, construct on the creativity that people already have. Continuing his story, he told me, When I had been away from Chile for 20 years, and while in Ecuador, there came a coup d'etat, because we had mobilized around 300,000 peasants to do their own development process, and that is something the militaries do not like. I was declared persona non grata, and I had to leave the country, so I returned to Chile. And that was the beginning of 1973. A few months later came the coup in Chile, and I had to leave again. I ended up after one year in the United States. Then I went back to Argentina, and there started working on the concept of human needs. Next, I had to leave Argentina again, because there came the coup in Argentina, And then I ended up in a little village in Brazil. There I was discovered by the Dach Hammarskjöld Foundation and they took me to Sweden and that's when I wrote Barefoot Economics. After that, when I'd finished my stay in Sweden, I received the Right Livelihood Award, the alternative Nobel Prize. And with that I returned to Chile and with the money of the prize I set up the Development Alternatives Centre. Out of his own Development Alternative Centre came Max Neef's model of nine fundamental human needs. Unlike Maslow, Max Neef believes that beyond physical survival needs, there is no hierarchy. 
we can all satisfy our needs in any order or simultaneously. His great insight was that we often confuse needs with satisfiers. Hence, singing in a community choir and owning a sports car can both be satisfiers for the same basic need for recognition. Of course, the advertisers try to convince us that the best way to satisfy our needs is to consume their products, whereas consumption only produces pseudo-satisfiers. Building healthy relationships, for example, is likely to achieve more intimacy than drowning yourself in the latest cool deodorant. Max Neef also had the insight that the divergence between GDP and Daly's Index for Sustainable Economic Welfare did not apply equally to developed and developing countries. This became known as Max Neef's threshold hypothesis, which he explained to me as follows. If you have a country that has not reached this threshold and you have poverty, more economic growth is required to overcome that poverty. But if you are beyond that point, more growth will not do the trick, because every additional unit of growth has a greater component that goes into solving problems generated by growth instead of generating real development. You pass from a quantitative economy, and after this threshold, it becomes a qualitative economy, and qualitative elements are much more important than the quantitative. That means a new economic theory. This emphasis on the qualitative is reflected in Max Neef's own life. He told me, I am a musician, a pianist and composer, and music has been absolutely fundamental. I sometimes even say as a joke that I have put music into economics. As it turned out, I was lucky enough to hear Max Neef play one of his classical compositions as I took in the idyllic landscape views from his glass-walled study. This was also where I had a chance to review the draft manuscript of his book Economics Unmasked. To honour Max Neef, I wrote a poem called The Barefoot Don, which begins, He walks the mountains, plains and fields, at home with forests, wolves and birds. He's naked in the power he wields, the sword of truth, the axe of words. CSR Tango Travelling on to Buenos Aires, I delivered various workshops and presentations hosted by Agenda RSE and Reporta Social. I did interviews for the Argentine magazine Calidad Empresaria and Radio Cultura de Buenos Aires, as well as conducting my own interviews. I found out, for instance, that confectionery company Arcor was linking sustainability performance to executive compensation, that BCSD, which was the first chapter of WBCSD set up outside Switzerland, has a great database of case studies. Their analysis of these cases suggests that most companies in Argentina still follow an eco-efficiency approach, with less adopting CSR, bottom-of-the-pyramid or transformative models. Maria Irigoyen explains in her chapter in the World Guide to CSR that the concept in Argentina has gradually evolved through the years, influenced by the country's cultural, historical and religious traditions. Its origins date back to the period of the Spanish Viceroyalty, when the Catholic Church helped the poor through charity. When Argentina became an independent state in 1816, the governing class took over this role, mostly through philanthropic activities. 
During the mid-20th century, Peron's welfare state was marked by the concept of social justice, and in the 1980s, civil society organizations played a stronger role in addressing society's needs through solidarity. In the 1990s, the concept of CSR was introduced in the media and some corporate circles. Lungs of the World Travelling on to Brazil, I was hosted by the consultancy Pares in the beautiful city of Rio de Janeiro. I also had a chance to interview the director of Ecobe, in which uh, he talked about his experiences working with companies in sustainability and social innovation working in the favelas. It was wonderful to have finally made it to Rio after having narrowly missed out on attending the original Earth Summit back in 1992. According to the authors of the Brazil chapter in the World Guide to CSR, despite a strategic approach to CSR being encouraged in Brazil since the early 1990s, in particular by business associations, CSR activities in the country remain focused on philanthropy and community investment towards domestic issues. This is despite the best efforts of the Ethos Institute, an NGO founded by a group of companies in 1998 with the aim of promoting sustainable business in the country. The Ethos Institute was responsible for developing the Ethos Indicators, considered instrumental in disseminating the CSR concept in the business sector. Another sustainable business framework that is influential in the management of many Brazilian companies, especially publicly listed companies, is the Sustainability Index. This index was created in 2005 to select and encourage listed companies with good environmental, social and governance performance. It has served as the basis for the creation of Brazilian SRI funds, hence encouraging companies to comply with its criteria. One of the most progressive companies on sustainability in Brazil is Natura. Since its foundation more than 40 years ago, this Brazilian cosmetics company has led the way on analysis of the product life cycle and control of the impacts of post-consumption waste. They are against animal testing, have a carbon neutral program, and prioritize responsible use of Brazil's biodiversity assets including contributing to the income of traditional communities in the Amazon forest through training on how to extract natural resources in a responsible manner. Another pioneer is Banco Real, the former Brazilian branch of ABN Amro Bank and later acquired by Santander Group. The bank has received many national and international awards, such as the Financial Times Sustainable Banking Award in two categories, the Top Sustainable Emerging Markets Bank and Overall Sustainable Bank of the Year. Inequality and deforestation remain among the biggest sustainable business issues in Brazil, along with corruption, child labour and racial discrimination. The poorest 20% of the Brazilian population is responsible for only 2.8% of the GNP, while the richest 20% account for 61%. Brazil has some of the richest biodiversity in the world, with the largest reserves of water and one-third of the world's remaining tropical forest. Hence, deforestation is a significant concern in terms of the loss of carbon storage capacity that it represents, exacerbated by the expansion of national and international markets for beef, soybeans and cocoa. If emissions from deforestation, in other words lost carbon storage, 
were considered, the country would rank as the world's fifth biggest polluter. 93% of the Atlantic forest, the most biologically diverse in the world, has already been devastated, while 12% of the Amazon forest, the biggest tropical forest in the world, has also been lost. Biodiversity Havens By contrast, travelling through Panama and on to Costa Rica, I discovered that Costa Rica is one of the few countries where biodiversity is increasing every year. I had a chance to interview the director of Horizontes and director of RSE Consultores. I also talked to the manager of development and tourism communications for the Rainforest Alliance in Costa Rica, in which she talked about trends in sustainability certification in forestry, agriculture and tourism. The Rainforest Alliance is a great success story that demonstrates the power of combining values with collaboration. The result is that 157 million acres of forest and 1.24 million acres of farmland sustainably yield wood, nuts, coffee, tea, cocoa, fruit, ferns and flowers. On these certified lands, workers and their families enjoy clean drinking water, decent housing, health care and education, while wildlife habitat is protected, soils and waterways are healthy, and the gases that lead to climate change are absorbed. The hotel owners who work with the Rainforest Alliance provide these same vital benefits to their employees, their neighbours and the earth. As a result of these efforts, consumers are now spending $12 billion a year on Rainforest Alliance certified or verified products and services. In Ecuador, there are similar positive stories of progress being made in the production of ecosystems and cultural diversity. I've been hosted several times in Quito by my friend and colleague Roberto Salazar, who has taken me to see, among other inspiring sites, San Pablo Lake at the foot of the Imbabura volcano, the Atavalo traditional market amidst the beautiful Andes, and Septimo Parezo, or Seventh Heaven, eco-lodge in the cloud forest of Mindo. On one trip to Quito, and on the last leg of my world tour, there was an attempted coup in which the president was more or less abducted and a firefight between the military and the police broke out, resulting in several fatalities. As soon as we became aware of escalating conflict, Roberto shut the office and I was kindly evacuated to the safety of his home. These kind of challenges do nothing to dampen the spirits of Roberto and his team. If anything, they only serve to underscore how necessary their dialogue services are if the country is to fulfill its great potential. Roberto's company, Hexagon, and his foundation, S2M, do amazing work in bringing together diverse sets of stakeholders in structured dialogue sessions using a range of online evaluation tools including the CSR 2.0 self-assessment diagnostic tool, which we developed together. Apart from running workshops hosted by Hexagon in Quito, I gave several presentations and workshops in Guayaquil, hosted by the British Chamber of Commerce, UniAPAC Latin American Congress, and the Business Council of Latin America. One of the interesting observations I made is that Catholic values are very actively being translated into very detailed business guidelines and assessment tools. On one of my trips to Ecuador, I had the amazing good fortune to be able to visit the Galapagos Islands, where I spent a few blissful days 
walking among the giant tortoises and marine iguanas, exploring a 300-meter lava cave tunnel, climbing an extinct volcano, watching boobies, the blue-footed kind, and white-tipped sharks, and generally soaking up the incredible and exotic biodiversity of these unique islands. Galapagos is not only a masterclass in evolution, but also a cautionary tale of the devastating effects of introducing foreign species like cats, rats and goats into fragile ecosystems. It is also a heroic story of conservation success. I was inspired to write two poems about these incredible islands, called Serenity and Galapagos. The latter begins, Genesis Islands, straddling Hades and Eden, ancient follies forged in the fiery mists of time, land of contortion between struggle and freedom, an ode to creation and its ebb-flowing rhyme. I hope you will also be inspired to visit not only Galapagos, but also Ecuador and Latin America. I believe we have so much to learn about sustainability and responsibility from this dynamic region, and my fleeting visits have only skimmed the surface.